Hey, everybody. Thanks, as always, for tuning into Front Row Knowles. KJ and I can't thank you enough for continuing to listen as we get into, I think, our 10th year of Front Row Knowles. Also, a special thanks to Seminole Boosters, who continues to support the program. The schedule is out. Quick reminder, your ticket and priority renewal deadline is April 18th. Great schedule, great optimism, great excitement about what's ahead in 2023. None of it's possible without Seminole Boosters. So to those of you who are members, thank you. To those of you who are not, log on to SeminoleBoosters.com to learn more. And now, Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom Block and Keith Jones with you. This is Front Row Knowles. KJ it's probably been 10, 12 years since I first thought it would be a good idea for FSU to play a game in Ireland. And now it's happening. I know this is sort of old news, but we haven't done a show. Matter of fact, this news broke, I think, after we recorded last week's show. But what do you think? Well, Tommy, two things. Number one, it caught me off guard. Obviously, I'm not as plugged in as maybe uh, at some point I thought I was in the past. But it came out completely out of left field. And number two, I don't remember anything coming out of left field that I've been more positive about, if that makes any sense. Well, it definitely does. Here's the real question. I mean, we'll talk about it. Kurt Weiler's going to join us. I mean, we'll talk football and spring practice. The Knowles were back at it on Tuesday. I, I want to know, I, 10 of the best pubs in Dublin. Here we go. Uh, are you going to have your first Guinness at the Cobblestone at John Cavanaugh's, which is also known as the Gravediggers? Uh, are you going to go to Davy Burns Pub or the Black Sheep? I mean, which which one are you starting at? That's the real well, question that our listeners want to know. Well, since I'm completely ignorant, having never been there before, I guess I'll have to rely on someone that has some uh, overseas experience. In case in, in in case our listeners don't know, you have been overseas a couple of three times. So if I'm fortunate enough to be in your company, I will probably rely on your recommendation. I have not been to Dublin, however, uh, and my wife's maiden name is Murphy, so it feels like it's going to have to be a block family trip, uh, at least for the Mr. and Mrs. Uh, otherwise, she may not be around when I get back from Dublin with the football team, if you know what I'm saying. Well, to be candid, I'd rather travel with her than you anyway, but that's for all kinds of other reasons. Yeah, well, good for you. I appreciate that. Uh, it came out of left field for me, too. I'm glad it's Georgia Tech giving up a home game. I have no idea what the what the payout is to Georgia Tech I'm assuming it's at least whatever they would make on a home game against FSU which would have been a sellout there I know there's some Seminole fans in Atlanta disappointed about it because FSU has not played in Atlanta since 2015 but and we'll talk about this with Kurt I, I do like the fact that Florida State and Michael Alford are doing what they can to put the FSU name out there and it's different times and it wasn't Bobby who scheduled all those road games when he first took over in your day, Keith. But it's sort of the same thing. If you can go on the road or you're playing, you know, I'll call them high-profile games, interesting games, and you win them, people pay attention to that. And so FSU is going to be on a big stage there, even if Georgia Tech is not uh, the biggest of opponents. Well, you always battle um, the taking care of your fan base uh, at home. And as we've 
talked about numerous times, and as you well are aware of within your job within the university and the, the metrics that you understand, you know, a home game for Florida State is not like a home game for an SEC team. Our fans have to travel great distances to get to Tallahassee. So you always want to try to make those home schedules as attractive as you can. But at the same time, there's a growing momentum to play some games in, in Atlanta or Jacksonville or, or uh, Orlando so that you can give those folks in those areas a shorter travel time to get to a game that, that you know, features their team. Then you gotta you gotta balance that against the national exposure, and and trying to make that dance that intricate dance is very difficult of taking care of your home team, your home games, and your home fans, and then exposing and allowing the program to be uh, recognized both nationally and in this case, if you will, internationally, and balancing those two, you're never gonna make everybody happy, but that is a balance that you gotta be aware of and gotta be sensitive to. You're, you're talking about the home schedule, Keith, and uh, I'm looking at future schedules right now. And so bear in mind, FSU, uh, they didn't open with, but they played LSU Labor Day weekend a year ago. They're playing LSU Labor Day weekend this year. You're going to play a game in Dublin against Georgia Tech, which is actually week zero next year. And if you look at the 2025 schedule, August 30th, how hot will it be at Doak on August 30th, by the way? Alabama's at FSU. now. I don't know that that game is going to stay in place because as soon as the SEC officially decides they're going to play more conference games, I could see Alabama getting out of that uh, twofer and, and Georgia doing the same. But it's to your point, the reason Alabama and Georgia are on the schedule in, in 25, 26, and 27, 28 is to make the home schedule more attractive and play a game like that. And then you, you also bump up against, well, we got to play seven home games. You know, we got to play seven home games. Well, for half of the season ticket holders, it's a, it's a real stretch for them to attend seven games, if you understand that, that vernacular. So it's, it's a delicate balance. It's that intricate dance that we like to talk about that doesn't have a real clear answer. Do you think Alabama and Georgia are going to stay on the schedule, or do you think, like I just uh, teased, they might go away? I, I and I say, they... I say teased, let me clarify. I don't have any intel that that's going to happen. I'm just reading the tea leaves. If the SEC expands and plays more conference games, something's got to give. I think it might, but I would not be surprised if the SEC uh, puts that on hold with Texas and Oklahoma coming in quicker than maybe they anticipated. In other words, they may vote to go to nine conference games sooner, but they may implement it later. And so there is a reasonable expectation that fans may see Alabama and or Georgia and Doak uh, before everything's said and done. No guarantees, but uh, that, that would kind of be my, how I would answer the test question today of asked. Yeah, well, so the interesting thing, those Alabama and Georgia games, I'm not going to look it up right now, but they went on the books, I'm going to guess three years ago. Maybe longer, ago. at least three. At least three. After, and the, the way the Alabama game came about and the Chick-fil-A Bowl folks probably aren't happy about it is there was talk of FSU and Alabama playing another neutral site game in Atlanta. Remember they played the one in 2017. I think right. they were looking at 2026 or something to do that. And then they both figured out, well, Hey, instead of going there, why don't we do a home and home because uh, different reasons, but Alabama's had the same problem. They've been so good that people are bored going to their games 
in Tuscaloosa. And so they've needed to draw on their schedule too. So that was the attraction for Alabama. Um, and I don't know where I was going with that, but that was a nice well, the, the bottom line too was Georgia was not where they are today. Right. Four years yeah. ago, three years ago when they agreed to this schedule. Here, here's so, where I was going. Th those games were years in the works and they've been on the books for years. FSU, Georgia Tech in Dublin came about in two months. That doesn't happen save for the COVID year when they had to put together a schedule in five minutes. You don't schedule college football games in two months and that literally got done in two months. That's crazy. And the money involved, you know, you talk about Georgia Tech giving up a home game. I'd be willing to bet you that after the fact, Georgia Tech nets more money going to Ireland than they do holding a home game because their stadium is so much smaller. I know one thing, Dublin's going to get a, an economic boost from all the Florida State folks. They're going to go over and buy some uh, Guinness and do some other things while they're there in Dublin. There's been a lot of excitement about it, so I'm looking forward to that. Well, I, you, uh, I think you need to go, whether it's uh, with the misses or, or with some buds. You got, you got to get that on the calendar, KJ. It's certainly a topic for conversation in the Jones household. Uh, may not be as far advanced as it is in the Block household, but it's a topic for conversation. Well, one thing that's a non-starter for me is the non-golfer, even though that's sacrilege for many people who are going to book this trip and go play golf. I won't waste my, waste my dollars or anybody's time uh, pretending uh, that I'm going to do that while I'm over there. Well, the folks that actually play golf are very appreciative of that because you are quite the distraction when you do attempt to play the game. Yes, and it's been uh, several years. I mean, I know my limitations, and uh, so I knew when to say when, and I did that about 21 years ago at this point, KJ. All right, we'll take a break. Kurt Weiler from uh, the Osceola will join us. We'll talk more about this Ireland matchup, and then we'll get to spring practice as the Knowles were back out there on Tuesday. Stay with us as we are just getting warmed up here on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Back on front row Knowles, let's dive right in. I mean, if FSU is going to play a football game in Ireland, we got to talk about it, right? So we have our Osceola insider, Kurt Weiler here. And Kurt, you know, normally we'd pick your brain about how the battle at right tackle is looking or are the linebackers improving in their play. But I mean, FSU is going to Ireland. I feel like we have to start there. Did you, did you know this was coming, first of all? I mean, this is uh, Seminole Nation is a buzz about this. Yeah, well, I do remember the uh, the the tweet. I think it was from like the the woman who spoke. I think Sarah Cavanaugh today is kind of the general Irish general counsel for Florida, and I think she posted from their Twitter account a picture of her and Alfred. Just and like it was just innocuous enough, but also kind of raises the eyebrow. And I think I talked to uh, Michael Alfred a basketball game not long after that, and so I was like, "So Ireland, huh?" And he was like, "I have no idea what you're talking about." So I mean, he uh, worked <laughs> in silence a bit on this one, but yeah, he no. I, I didn't, it was, it caught me off guard of how quickly it was going to come together. I thought, I mean, with how cultural scheduling happens nowadays, I was like, oh, that'd be cool. But like, won't it be like 2027, 2028? I didn't realize, I guess that with, you can make it a conference game. They can, it can happen uh, a lot faster. Well, one of the things that struck me after I did a little bit of research that you just wouldn't be aware of is normally an ACC team would not want to give up a home game. But in 24, Tech has Clemson and Notre Dame coming in. So that was a little bit of an emphasis uh, for them to say, all right, we would give up a Florida State game in order to go to Ireland. Secondly, Tech's been there before. 
Yep. And their and their their people traveled rather well. And obviously Ireland is expecting Florida State to travel well. And so it was a little bit of a perfect storm, if you want to think about it that way. Yeah, I think Florida State was never going to give up a home game. So it was, I guess, I think nice for them. They found kind of a willing ACC opponent uh, who was who, like you said, was willing to was willing to do that and forego a home game. And definitely I it would help who else is on that home schedule. They kind of didn't need maybe the extra fluff that a Florida State home game uh, can provide. And yeah, I mean, I, I feel bad for uh, those Atlanta Seminoles. It's been a while, obviously been what, since 2017, since they played a game there and, and it will be a while longer now in kind of the, the new system, although it does happen more frequently. But yeah, I think uh, the, the buzz of, I mean, I know there's some people like, wait, really? Like, I'm not going to go to this game, but like, maybe you weren't, a lot of those people weren't going to go to the game anyways. I mean, it's not going to be for everybody. It's kind of for a select few as pricey as it'll run, but it'll be, I mean, a great experience. I have to imagine for everyone who's able to uh, make it happen. Yeah. You mentioned 2017. That was the game against Alabama, but it's been 2015 since they played yeah. at Georgia tech and uh, we don't need so to uh, relitigate that one. Yeah, no, I, I was there. I'm aware of how that uh, same, same. Yeah. Uh, but but now with the new schedule in the ACC, you don't have to wait another nine years for FSU to go back. It's only four yeah. years, I think. So it, I it'll mean, be I, somewhere in that 2027, 20, 2030 window, supposing they keep things the same. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask this, Kurt. This is the curious thing to me. Like right now, and, and it's an Ireland game, everybody's really excited for obvious reasons. But it's the kind of game, if that was on the schedule this year, when there's excitement about Florida State. Can they win the ACC? Could they sneak into the college football playoff? I feel like people are, all the eggs are in the 23 basket. And so 24 is more like, well, we're not going to win it all that year. So we might as well go to Ireland. But if that game was this year, when you've got a chance to maybe make a run, I don't know if people would be raising their hand or jumping up and down saying, Hey, great move. I agree with you. I think, I mean, that would be kind of an unnecessary variable in what's going to be a, a season with so many expectations. And I mean, it'll be a, it'll be a fascinating uh, start to uh, that, that season. I mean, that's going to be a season where we assume there are going to be a lot of new fresh faces kind of after the, the, I guess the other side of so many guys coming back in 2023 is that there are more guys you're going to have to replace in 2024. I think the good news is that Mike Gravel and the staff have done well to, increase the depth there where it won't be some huge drop off like it may have been a few years ago I think you you like a lot of pieces that kind of will step into those roles but yeah it's an interesting way to start I mean what's going to be a pretty interesting uh, season with so many guys to replace we're, we're thinking. Kurt the bottom line is everything is associated and relevant to Mr. Block because he has been he's been absolutely jumping up and down we've got to have two open weeks during the season and look here, in 24, now we have three. So they've the pendulum's already gone past what Mr. Block wants. He's the winner. He's the winner. And, and truthfully, if I had to bet Mike Norvell willing, being willing to do it in 2024 is, is partly because it's that you're already getting two bye weeks, now you get a third. I mean, that just is only a further help over a long season. Well, and, and to that point, Norvell talked about this at the press conference. He, he was willing to do this game only if his team got to have a cultural experience and, and to the, they're going to stay a day after the game so they can actually see some sights. And that's, that's pretty much unheard of during a regular season for college football. It happens on a bowl experience. It doesn't happen when you got another game coming up. Uh, in this case, I think it'll probably be eight days later, but Labor Day weekend anyway, that that's atypical. So good for Norvell for saying, Hey, we'll do it, but the players got to have a chance to, I mean, 
many of them have never been out of the country and many of them will never go to Ireland again in their lifetime. So why not? Yeah, I think I think the one of the guys, one of the organizers of the game said today that there was some stat about I think that their history of, of booking these indicates that at least 75% of every team is not going to have had passports or been outside the country previously. So it is no doubt. I mean, an, an experience unlike many guys have had in their lives and in quite a few cases, I mean, may have again. Keith, are you going to make the trip? I don't know yet. Uh, I've got a group, a small group of us that were thinking about going to Normandy in 24, because I believe that's either the 75th or 80th anniversary of the invasion. Uh, how, how do we put the two together is now a topic for consideration and conversation. So we'll you see. Know, I, I don't think it's a how do you. I think it's you have to. Uh, I will buy the first Guinness, Keith, for you uh, in Dublin. I will Understood. not buy the rest. I will just buy the first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know me too well, Mr. Block. I, I do think so. Uh, we'll, we'll just stay on this topic. Not so much Ireland, but Kurt, uh, this is, and, and maybe it's not directly related, but to me, it kind of feels like it. It's, it's another aggressive move by Michael Alford and Florida State to say, hey, we're going to do some things to keep FSU's name out there. Uh, a few weeks back, he pointed out the obvious with this ACC television contract. Uh, FSU fans were aware, but I think he wanted to rattle some cages of people who maybe weren't paying attention to the big revenue gap there. And so this is another thing that puts FSU in the spotlight, especially if you're talking about an FSU team that finishes this year in the top five or something like that. Maybe they make the playoff and then they're playing the first weekend next year when, when the rest of the games are not very marquee. I mean, it's, it's a big time spotlight game. Yeah, I think really the first few weeks of that 2024 season are going to be those spotlight games in terms of kind of the soul, because I think they're looking at having that week zero game on August 24th. And then I think they're supposed to play Monday of Labor Day weekend. It's a spot I feel like they're in so much like they very rarely play a Saturday Labor Day weekend, which I think is another testament to kind of the the Florida State brand. But yeah, I think it is a, a bit of a like showing other conferences like the 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 power we have of kind of this game being organized because of them like I mean Georgia Tech's going up the home game but they John Anthony who works with who helps kind of organize these talked today about I mean we wanted Florida State I think he said there was an SEC head coach who reached out about uh maybe playing in it there's an SEC uh AD there were a few commissioners who kind of I think well watching the 2022 game were like hey like could we get involved here somehow and he kind of said he was like I slow played them because we wanted Florida State well, well, I think the bottom line of all of it, guys, is it's a great opportunity. Uh, but I had this conversation. Actually, Tommy, I actually talked to my high school head coach today, 40-something years after the fact, uh, when, when I played for him. And we agreed, as old as we are, the bottom line is you still got to win games. So you got a marquee game with LSU. You got to win that game. You got a, a kickoff game on 24 against Tech with everybody's eyes on You got to win that game. The bottom line is you got to win. Uh, everything else will fall by the wayside if you don't hold your end of the bargain. That 24 yep. schedule in terms of road trips, uh, I think they play at Notre Dame as well, at Miami, they at do. Notre Dame, and in Dublin. I don't know who else is on the schedule, but that's, that's some interesting travel there for 24. Well, and I think it's not confirmed yet, but I think that the uh, that that week one game, kind of when you return home, is they're thinking. I think the expectation is it's going to be Austin College, 
And so it looks like it's going to be Georgia Tech, Boston College, I think by week, and then Memphis at home is 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 on that 24 schedule. It's kind of the first four weeks. I mean, that sets well, up well on paper, it would seem, to ease you into a, a season where you're going to have some questions. Yeah, all told, I like it. I don't know. Uh, I don't know where FSU can go from here. Uh, it got me thinking that maybe we need a bowl. I mean, we haven't done this game yet. Maybe we need a bowl game in Dublin too. But uh, it'd be a little tougher to get to Dublin on three and a half weeks notice. I mean, we got time to save right now to get it. Um, so I'm I'm excited about it overall. Tell you what, we'll take a break. We'll continue our conversation with Kurt here momentarily. We'll talk on the field instead of uh, just pub crawls and, and golf and all those other things when we continue on Front Row Knoll. Stay with us. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles, we're recording on Tuesday night and Kurt's got his head on a swivel because uh, FSU and Florida are coming down to the finish line here. We got the the World Baseball Classic. Any updates we need to know uh, for those that, that aren't plugged into the internet and don't know the actual result when they're listening to this, Kurt? Uh, they've got, just put in Jackson Bomeister, their Friday starter. Florida's the bases loaded down 4-5 in the eighth inning. Okay, so that that let, let's start baseball then, regardless of how this game turns out. It's been pretty apparent. Link Jarrett didn't hide this fact. From from the start of the year, he made it evident that that Florida State needed pitching, and here we are a month into the season. And I'm not sure how many questions got answered, although Barrett giving them four quality innings at the start of that Florida game, that, that may be one of the answers for him. And obviously if Wyatt Crowell is not going to pitch and he's been out, missed a turn this weekend, uh, he's your best pitcher. That's going to hurt. But what did you think about Barrett or, or, or options that may be developing here? Yeah, I will be interested to see. I mean, that's two times in a row, Ben Barrett, who also I know has provided some juice with the bat. He kind of is the two-way guy and I think has looked pretty good both ways. I, I don't wonder if they consider maybe a, a, a weekend start in the near future. I think uh, Carson Montgomery has not exactly locked down that Sunday spot in any capacity. And so I do wonder, especially after handling, I mean, a really loaded Florida lineup uh, well Tuesday night, if they don't maybe uh, consider consider that, if not this weekend, maybe going forward from there. Kurt obviously calls for concern, but uh, enough time to say, hey, this is really a problem, or is there still things to sort out? Um, it's a good question that I, I can't, and I, I don't know if I have an answer to just because, I mean, I think there is still time. I think I think there is both cause for concern and time for this to to fix itself. I think we knew the the roster that that Link inherited and his staff inherited was just not one that was uh, was in great shape. I think they put up a pretty telling statistic, I think, on the broadcast tonight when I was there um, said that that said, uh, I think his his last team at Notre Dame had 15 grad students, 13 juniors, and it was a very experienced laden team. This team has 17 freshmen. That's almost half the scholarship roster. I mean, that's like that it, when you or the roster in general, really, I mean, it's and those aren't guys he brought in. Those are guys because with how baseball works, you kind of inherit the signing class. You're not in that making sweeping changes. I mean, the freshmen were on campus when he took the job. They're at his his introductory press conference. So yeah, I think uh, the the lack of consistency they've gotten from their starting pitching is is troubling. I think moving Wyatt Crowell there, I think is is a move that was kind of necessary just to give them one guy they felt good about. I know he didn't start 
last Saturday. I don't think that's expected to be a long-term thing. We'll, we'll find out, I guess, this week. But, yeah, I mean, Jackson Bowmeister's been a little up and down. Uh, Jamie Arnold kind of didn't work in that Sunday – or in the rotation. Carson Montgomery hasn't worked. They haven't kind of had a consistent midweek starter. And I think uh, the, the questions we had about the pitching depth have definitely uh, been valid and maybe even worse than we thought, as, as bad as that is to say. Well, and as you're talking, Jackson Bowmeister, I, I don't know if the runs are charged to him, but Florida's grabbed a 6-5 lead. And so yeah. we don't need to overanalyze this. It's early in the season. I, I'll point out this because Jackson's been a starter, so you bring him in in this kind of situation. And that goes with baseball that people will be critical of that. But but I would say, uh, and I, I pointed this out a week or two ago, that one of the criticisms of Mike Martin when he was coaching is that it was always the same guy. So you're never going to know where a guy fits best unless you try to tinker like this and his hand is forced because he doesn't have a lot of options. So we'll see how it plays out. They got to go to Virginia this week. Let's, let's talk some football, Kurt, uh, back in pads on Tuesday. What did, what did you see? What did coach Norvell say in terms of how practice went after 10 days off for spring break? Yeah, there's 10 days off and they did not uh, get, they, there was not much of an easing back in. I mean, it was a pretty intense, it was a full pads practice and uh, kind of threw them back into it. There's no like, Oh, well, we'll go in shells. We'll let you like ease back from however you spent your spring break. And uh, I, he, he was happy with how they responded. I tend to agree. I thought it was a, a, a good practice on the whole. His one thing, it's interesting that he, he was kind of urging on them about tempo. And it feels like the, the program has come a pretty far away that, I mean, there wasn't a complaint about consistency of effort or anything like that. It's kind of, he can ramp it up now to there needs to be less time between drills and, and tempo of how they do things just to maximize kind of the, the, the time they have because they're on that clock every week. But no, I, I mean, I, uh, it, it was, a, a, I think the freshman DBs, KJ Kirkland and Quindarius Jones both had interceptions of Tate Rodemaker. I thought AJ Duffy looked really good again. I mean, he's to been probably one of the, the bigger surprises of the spring to me. I think uh, he hit a freshman wall pretty hard last year and he seems to be to breaking through it. And I mean, I'm very much alive in that, that backup, uh, that backup conversation. Kurt, as, as one looking at the big picture, it does appear that Norvell has accomplished the setting of the, the standard. Uh, in other words, the effort, as you mentioned, a little bit of the tempo. Um, the next step, however, is a big one because FSU kind of caught some people off guard last year. Uh, now you've got all these people coming back. There's known uh, entities. Uh, LSU's got a bad taste in their mouth from losing last year. I mean, are we setting ourselves up for too high of an expectation or is this the next level that Norvell can take this program to? I, th I guess that's everybody's question in, in some regards. Yeah. I mean, I guess the good thing about looking at the 2023 schedule, obviously we're not going to get that resolved. Like it's still what months away, five, five months away plus, but the good thing is, I mean, you've got LSU and Clemson in their first four weeks that I think are going to tell you everything. They're going to tell you, I mean, how, how does Florida state, handle kind of going from being the the hunter to the the hunted a bit more because you talked about LSU I would have to imagine Clemson's not going to take too kindly either to kind of hearing so much Florida State hype and I mean quite possibly Florida State's going to be picked as the the ACC preseason favorite come come July at ACC kickoff so I, I I am fascinated I mean that is definitely the story I think what Mike Norvell has done is impressive but I think the next step is is indicative of I mean is he a guy who can win a national title here or is he just a guy who kind of got a program that had lost its way back on the tracks and maybe can't get them all the way there? 
Well, and I think I'll say this now, I think it's going to be assuming they don't win the national title this year. I don't, I don't think you can make the claim at the end of the season that he's not the guy, a guy that can win a national title. I mean, we got to no. see how the season plays out, but for sure. Yeah. To, to, to Keith's point, it does feel like the cart's getting a little in front of the horse. Now we're just going from barely beat an average Oklahoma team in a bowl game to uh, let's see in the national championship game. Right. I mean, there's a lot of, there's wow. a few st- a key steps in between. There, there definitely are. I, I mean, what I'll say is nothing I've seen this spring has dissuaded me from thinking they can win the ACC. They could maybe be a, a, a playoff team. I mean, I think they are across the board. They hit on the transfer portal guys, I think, are again at a high hit rate, which from seeing how some other teams have struggled to kind of string together good years of transfer additions, that's definitely, I think, harder than we kind of realized at first. But I think that, I mean, across the board, I think they're bigger, stronger, faster. One thing, I mean, that, that to me stands out, and I'm by no means putting them in the Georgia-Alabama type conversation, it used to be two years ago, Jermaine Johnson stood out for like, a, oh, that's very clearly Jermaine Johnson. That's a guy who hasn't been here the last few years. The number of guys who stand out in a bad way now are, are, are few and far between. I mean, across the board, there is a uniformity of how far they've come physically. So, I mean, am I picking them to go to the playoff now? No, but... Is, do I think it's possible? Absolutely. I, I don't think uh, – I'm not overreacting too much to spring, but I think, I mean, I, I, it's confirmed to me that uh, there's some validity to, uh, to, to the possibility from what I've seen. Who's jumped out? I, I know what names have been mentioned a lot, uh, the big DL transfer from Miami, Daryl Jackson being one, but yeah. – uh, and, and I haven't even really gotten a look at him, but just in terms of his physique – who who is who has stood out to you so far through these four practices? Um, yeah, I think it's been nice to see. I think you're seeing Winston Wright is a guy, especially with Micah Pittman down. I mean, that's a spot. We'll see when Micah makes it back. I don't know if he's done for the year, but he kind of seemed to think it was possible in his YouTube video. Um, I think Winston Wright is looking like the guy I think Florida State thought they were getting, and the guy who arrived on campus before his very serious, I mean, the car accident and leg injury. Uh, last spring break I guess we're kind of just past the year point of that and even when he worked his way back last year he didn't look ever truly entirely comfortable and I mean I think he he very much looks the part this spring and has been a uh, quite impressive started to uh, look like himself again I've been really impressed with Jeremiah Byers I think the UTEP transfer is a guy who uh, as big as he is moves very well and I think uh, there were questions about is he a tackle at this level and I think he could absolutely be a tackle and maybe even a a, a pretty good one at this level. And I, I've been impressed with him. I mean, the offensive line as a whole, it's nice to see that unit where there are definitely far more guys probably worthy of playing time than there are spots to go around. I mean, it's been a while, maybe even twice as many, honestly, it's been, a, you tell me the last time that you could truthfully say that about a Florida state offensive line. I think the same goes for the, uh, the defensive line. Honestly. I mean, you talked about, Daryl Jackson we haven't even seen Braden Fisk yet but I mean I think Fabian Lovett and Jared Burst kind of are back at full strength and have impressed me I mean it's showing that they may have been I mean playing out of necessity and maybe not being 100% last year I think both have kind of said said similar versions of that this spring. Kurt I think one of the telling signs about the offensive line that for the limited people that I talk with is they're not talking individuals they're not saying this guy that guy they're saying this unit Yep. And then the second unit. And when you take names out of it and you talk about an offensive line as working as a unit, that is a huge movement forward in my estimation. No, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, I could, 
talk about. I'm trying to think other, uh, Kentron Portier, I think had a really good night tonight. And I think is maybe starting to, uh, to put it all together. I was really impressed with Vandrevious Jacobs as the true freshman receiver. I know he wasn't kind of the, the five-star that was Hakeem Williams and Hakeem has had his moments too, but I think Vandrevious has looked maybe a little more ready-made as an instant contributor type uh, this, this, this spring. And so I think, I mean, not that you really need more guys at receiver. I mean, you're, you're, you're so much better there than you were a year ago, but uh, a number of guys there have uh, have impressed me. Is it, uh, have you gotten a read on Pat Sertan and his style yet as the newest coach or a little, little early and too hard to tell? Um, yeah, I would say it's a, a little early. I mean, that's the interesting thing about the, the timeline of his hire where, I mean, everyone, the, the freshmen were already in, enrolled and, uh, the, I mean, the transfers like Ventral Cypress was largely an Adam Fuller edition. So I would say it's a little too early, but I mean, I think, uh, you, you would have reason to think that a guy with his ability would be able to kind of translate it. If you can play like that, you'd think you should be able to uh, to coach like that. And he's definitely, I mean, working them hard. I've been impressed with what I've seen another guy, Fentrell Cypress, there in the secondary. I think uh, he's maybe not a guy you look at as a traditional outside corner at only six foot, but he played the role well at Virginia. And I think you've seen him uh, battle against some bigger receivers pretty, pretty well. And I mean, hold himself up nicely against, I mean, Johnny Wilson against Deuce Span, some guys. He's really physical with how he plays, and I think that's kind of – you see why he was so successful last season at Virginia. Guys, something has changed. We haven't even mentioned Jordan at all. <laughs> Isn't he the Heisman Trophy candidate? That does speak volumes. We're talking everywhere. I mean, a year ago, uh, it was everything we could do was to, to not ask questions about can Jordan play, and now we've just – now we accept it and we're asking other questions. Hey, we'll let you go on this, Kurt, different different topic. And I know the season didn't finish the way Brooke Wyckoff wanted it. But for Florida State to have a women's basketball player win the National Freshman of the Year Award, which is what Tania Latson did on Tuesday, the, uh, I mean, that's pretty remarkable. Uh, for those who didn't see her play, and I, I know she was, she was injured at the end, but uh, just kind of describe her game and just how good she is. Because Florida State's not had a player like that on the women's basketball side of the ledger. No, I mean, she's a, she was a, a, a menace to watch. I mean, the, the number of 20, 30-point games she had were pretty remarkable for a freshman. I mean, you kind of made the leap seamlessly. It's funny, uh, a friend of mine who covers sports in South Florida kind of told me in, like, November, like, maybe after, like, her first game or maybe even before, it was like, oh, yeah, like, she's a real one. Like, look out for her. And, I mean, yeah, just how she uh, attacks the basket, how she, I mean, works perfectly in the offense that Bill Ferreira brought over to kind of when he joined uh, – Rick Wyckoff's uh, staff as a as associate head coach and I mean just yeah I think they were a little surprised even with uh how her three-point ability I think that surprised them a little maybe more than they thought and it really rounded out her game I mean that it did so much more for how she could drive attack the basket get pat, get around distribute to her teammates because of uh her her game and how how impressive she was and yeah I mean if, if she's gonna do that as a freshman you 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 think that what she can do, you start to dream about what she can do as a junior, senior, as a, a being, I mean, four years in college basketball for the women is pretty much the norm. The thing that surprised me, guys, and again, a, a very 30,000-foot level, they win 23 games and were disappointed. I mean, that that's how much expectation has been generated by Brooke and by Latson and, and the rest of that squad as they move forward. Yeah, and hopefully they they add to it as she builds on the career and, and she gets healthy again. Kurt, we will uh, let you go. Appreciate it. I'll buy your first uh, Guinness in Dublin as well, by the way. We'll take a break and uh, come back more Front Row Knowles right after this. 
Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom Block, Keith Jones with you, KJ. Baseball not going so well as we talk. I thought this game would be in the books, but they've just gone to the top of the ninth, and Florida's leading 9-5. All in all, uh, general takeaways a month into the baseball season, just to wrap up the brief conversation we had with Kurt. Uh, any any thoughts about what you've seen so far? Expectations were, were overstated, uh, given Link's and his staff's success at Notre Dame, so we thought that that would automatically transfer to Florida State uh, that hasn't happened, and it wasn't appropriate in many senses for us to, in some sense, for us to have that over expectation. But for those that have been to the games, for those that have attended games, which you and your family have, it's now an enjoyable experience. Even though Florida State hasn't had all the wins and all the success, and the season's still early, folks like the way this team plays. They like the way this team competes. Uh, yes, they've got some issues on the mound. Uh, but they've got some young arms. They've got some lively arms. They've got some talent. And so um, certainly not anywhere close to throwing up our hands and saying the season's over or this isn't working. Just the recognition that Link pointed out, we talked about, gosh, we're, we're fearful. We're, we're afraid. We might have some issues when it comes to pitching. And the reality is we do. Finish up on football, KJ. What do you want to see over the next couple of weeks leading up to the spring game from this team? No injuries. <laughs> no injuries. I, I hate to be old-fashioned, but uh, we talk about the Ireland game catching us off, off guard. I don't know if you had any intel, but uh, Pittman's surgery caught me off guard. And obviously, every program plays everything close to the vest. But uh, injuries are my biggest concern in spring, uh, particularly with a club that you would have to say is a little bit more mature and certainly a little older than we're used to seeing over the last few years. Um, so injuries, injuries are my big concern in spring to be old fashioned. So how do you guard against that from the standpoint that you have some players who, you know, what they are and you want to see some younger guys get in there and give them time. But at the same time, you can do everything you want and a guy can, can literally trip over a curb and tear an ACL. Like, I mean, you can, you can try to protect and prevent, but some are going to happen. My experience, Tommy, and my observations over four or five decades has always been, if you try to limit or if you try to uh, protect, you end up doing the opposite. So the best way to do it is you limit reps. In other words, you know that uh, this particular guy is only going to get uh, 12 reps in the first scrimmage. He's only going to get 24 reps in the second scrimmage, that type of thing. But if you try to hold him out of particular drills and try to do particular things and get too creative, you end up shooting yourself in the foot. The, the only way I know to protect players is for them to go full speed when they're in there and limit the number of times they go full speed. The obvious guy who would be on a pitch count like you're talking about would be Jordan Travis, I would think, because you know what you have there. And if you're seeing enough and he looks sharp, do you then just put the spotlight on? Okay, let's find out. Is Tate clearly number two or is Duffy pushing him? That's what I do. I mean, again, 
you see that happen at the NFL level all the time. You know, starting quarterbacks only going to play the first two series of of the second preseason game, and maybe one series of the third is not going to play any in the in the fourth. By the way, do they even do four preseasons anymore? I think there's only three preseasons in the NFL. But whatever it is, using the analogy of pitch count, you have certain players that if you're smart, you use that with. Yeah, I think you're right. Because they extended the regular season, they had to do away with the preseason game, right? So that's that's that was the middle ground in the NFL. All right, well, a couple more weeks of uh, spring practice, then we get to the spring game. Uh, the weather at uh, Tuesday was an interesting day in Tallahassee, Keith, it was like 31 degrees when I left the house and it was like 70 degrees when I got to the baseball game. So welcome to Tallahassee, but it is officially spring and, uh, pretty soon it'll be hot. And, and, and I know what's going to happen, Keith, we're going to go to the spring football game. We're going to get excited. Then it's a little anticlimactic because they always are. And then we look at the calendar and we start counting May, June, July, August, September. Finally, that's what's, that's, what's coming. Except that we always have in the back of our minds what's happening with conference realignment. What's happening with teams moving from here to there? Because as soon as spring practice is over, that's when those conversations, if they occur, that's when they start. That is the silly season for sure. All right, folks, we are out of time. Thanks to Kurt Weiler. Thanks to you for tuning in. As always, he's Keith. I'm Tom, and this is Front Row Knowles.